Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. Hello, thank you for joining us. My name is Timothy Roden. I'm a library assistant here at the Litchfield Park Public Library, and I'm joined by Glenn. Hi, everyone. I'm Glenn. I'm a librarian here at the Litchfield Park Library with Tim. And today we're going to have another manga podcast for you. Yes, we're specifically talking about Jose manga. And Jose deals with manga aimed at the audience of women between 18 and up. Yeah, so much like how signing is to shonen, where it's targeted at uh, shonen, targeted at young boys versus signing, targeting at men. Um, Jose is the same way to uh, shoujo, where shoujo is targeted at young girls and Jose is targeted at women. Yes, and specifically we're going to be discussing three different manga, which are all available here at the, uh, in the Maricopa County Library District. Uh, one is Princess Jellyfish, the other is Descending Stories, and the third is Wotakoi. So just uh, real quick, um, so Jose, like, uh, like most of our kind of manga classifications, it's a little hard to pin down exactly what it is. Um, but broadly, if you, if you kind of pin me down and ask me to define it, I would say it usually involves more romantic elements than a signing story of a similar nature would be. More kind of uh, focused on sort of day-to-day life, routines, and that kind of stuff. And I would say that in the day-to-day life, slice of life type aspect, there's a lot more about creative artsy types, which is something that runs through all three of these. Yeah, and that's not to say that Jose is limited to that. Really, the only the, the only surefire way to tell if something is Jose or not is if it's published in a Jose manga yes. catalog. So. It's, yeah. it's really, there's some, there's some room there for interpretation. And just like with Signing, we had uh, Parasite in the same genre as uh, The Way of the House Husband. Right. And those are drastically different. Dr- the same is true for most Jose. Yeah, it's, think of it as just kind of a broad umbrella genre, not, not necessarily any specific genre. Yes. So, we're going to start off with Princess Jellyfish. Glenn, what is the broad plot of Princess so Jellyfish? So Princess Jellyfish, that name might trigger some various thoughts in your head about perhaps a princess that is a jellyfish. That's not what it's about. Princess Jellyfish is about, um, and there, there's a term used in the manga a lot, it's Fujoshi. And this is a term in Japanese that refers to kind of uh, they, they say morally corrupt woman, but when they say that on Fujoshi, they usually mean sort of a, a woman who is kind of on her own, um, lives on her own, may not necessarily have a stable income, sort of like a female version of a neat, and if you're not familiar with that term either, that stands for not in education or employment. Or training. Or training, yes. I'm sorry, I missed the T there. Yeah. And they do get called that quite often. They do. Yeah. Um, And another way to look at how they use in at least this manga uh, the term Fujoshi is they're very, uh, they're they're like the flip side of uh, a man who's obsessed with like one topic that they get, they spend all their time with. Yeah. This is the female equivalent. Yeah, and so bringing us back to our broad story here, we, ha- we have a house that is 
full of the, a woman like this. They're all extremely nerdy in one specific aspect. And Princess Jellyfish gets her name um, from the fact that she's a super jellyfish nerd. She's super passionate about jellyfish, all things jellyfish. What, how they live, what they eat, what they need to survive, and stuff like that. And so that's how she gets her name. And all the other characters have sort of similar obsessions or things that they, they really love, like historic dramas and things like that. Uh, so the broad overarching story here is that this group of women is all living together um, and that no men are allowed in this house whatsoever. Uh, but one kind of sneaks his way in there by, um, by dressing and acting like a woman. Yes. And the, the character, uh, Princess Je Jellyfish, her name is Tsukimi, um, meets this person basically on accident. Completely on accident. She's trying to rescue a jellyfish from a fish store, and this person, uh, Kuranosuke, uh, essentially helps her save this jellyfish. Yeah. And then sort of just ends up enjoying where she lives yep. and the sort of communal nature of it and decides to get to know them better uh, even though they keep telling him that he's got to go yeah <laughs> he just sort of keeps coming back and it's very the story starts off very very small and then begins to get bigger and bigger until you're dealing with real estate deals for an entire city. And yeah, the overarching kind of plot, at least the first one, is that their house that they're living in is, is kind of getting rezoned and is going to get demolished and turned into like a shopping mall sort of deal. And so it's kind of their, their plot and storyline of how to save their house, especially when they really, really, really hate going outside yeah. or attending public meetings and things like that. So this is, these are things that are incredibly difficult and challenging for them, and they're kind of struggling with that. And Kronosuke is a master of fashionable dressing and makeup, and he essentially armors the, the women of this building with being able to go out and feel more confident in public. Yeah. And there's, there's some actual, like, darker elements to the plot that are sort of woven throughout. Kurosan, uh, Kuranosuke's brother, who his family is a political family, and his older brother, half-brother is moving his way up the ranks, and he ends up getting his drink spiked and blackmailed. Yeah. And, like... It, and it's treated very seriously because yes. it is very serious. Yeah. Uh, but there's traumatic elements to, like, uh, Tsukimi's backstory. The whole reason she's sort of shut herself away from the world is she's not able to quite process the death of her mother. And it's... So there's a lot of dramatic background behind this sort of, like, comedy manga. Yeah, and, of course, um, there's the romance elements that are yes. woven in here as well. The brother, um, he's, he's the main romantic interest for... Well, there's a little bit of a, a triangle going on. Yes. A little bit. Um, and I won't spoil too much, um, but it's, it's really interesting because there's kind of two sides to Princess Jellyfish, and that's her, her sort of dressed-up outside persona and her 
her more real mask that she wears when she thinks she's alone. Yeah. And so there's an interesting dichotomy there and who falls for who and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and exactly who who's the real person yeah. underneath everything. And, like, we learn more about Kronosuke, and he's not really that, like, free-spirited as he appears. He's very carefully planned what he wants to do. Yeah. Um, he's not so much chaotic as he is just a sort of master manipulator in his own way. Yeah, and he has his own very clear personal goals that don't necessarily align with what other people want. Yeah, uh, and it's it's a very, very good manga that is a lot deeper than it first appears. Yeah. Uh, so, moving then to our next story, uh, ironically, is <laughs> Descending Stories. Yes. So, Glenn, would you like to tell us a bit about Descending Stories? Yeah, Descending Stories, I would love to. This is this is probably one of my favorites, just in general. This was adapted to an anime as well. It's a superb anime. In fact, it the anime is one of those few that's at least as good as the manga, because just of the way that the storytelling medium works, it works very well in an animated thing. So, Descending Stories is about Rakugo. And if you're not familiar with what Rakugo is, it's... Japanese oral storytelling. It's one man on stage and he's doing all the different voices and acting for a whole entire cast of characters as he tells various historical or made-up stories about, you know, Japanese lore and myth. So he could be telling a story for, um, you know, like a like a, a gang member who's shaken down a place. Usually there's elements of comedy in this, not necessarily always. Um, Rakugo theater is still very popular in Japan to this day. That's one of the things um, in this manga that the, the artist, the mangaka, actually talks about in one of the end notes. He's like, I present this like it's the dying of this art form, but it's still very alive and very strong to this day because Japanese have very strong traditions that they tend to honor. And this is one of them. So we, our manga follows, and this is kind of a fictitious timeline now of Rakugo. Um, one of the most, the most famous current Rakugo performer, and how he is sort of the last. Uh, he is, he's kind of, if he dies, then the art form will go with him. And so it's, he's kind of in his twilight years here. He's toward the end of kind of his career and his life. He's not necessarily completely done yet, but. He's, he's close. Um, he's never taken an apprentice, so that's why it sort of it dies with him, and they keep reiterating that. And then the start of our story, we have a man who just got out of prison, and he saw Rakugo performed by this man and said, that's what I'm going to do. And so he kind of forces himself onto the master um, as his apprentice, and then our story picks up from there. Yes, and I think one of the things that's most interesting about uh, Descending Stories is how it layers storytelling, where you're reading a manga about a storyteller who then tells a story about being coming a storyteller yeah. <laughs> within a story about being a storyteller. Yes, and then multiple different stories of storytelling in there. And... Yes, so it's it's a story about telling stories. And it's, it's especially interesting because here we have sort of this like media joke where uh, think about many different comedies that have the character who are like, come see my one-man show. Yeah. 
Whereas in Descending Stories, that's essentially what they're doing. It's a one-man show where you play all of the characters. Yep. And yet it's treated with absolute respect. Yeah. And the skill it takes to inhabit all of those characters is treated with a lot of respect. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of you learn a lot of steps along the way. You do. And uh, you really learn a lot about the culture and history and tradition of this art form. Yes. Too. And most of the story is actually backstory. Yes. So the first volume really is just setting up kind of the history. So the real story here, or at least the first major arc, is actually set in the past. Um, it's it's how our current, in the, in the present timeline, it's how the master became the master. It's growing up with his best friend and fellow performer who died at some point mysteriously in the past. And that's kind of the tension in the past that's pushing this forward. Yes, and it's almost set up like a play itself where the opening chapter or the opening volume of the manga is essentially just the prologue he's using to describe the scene. And we jump in halfway through the second volume with the actual play. Yeah. And we do come back to the, the sort of present timeline later. And the present timeline has its own very interesting dramas that are going on. Because we have um, the, the master Rakugo performer. And he's, his Rakugo is very serious, very kind of by the book, you might say. And this apprentice he took on, um, he's very silly. Yeah. He's very, very silly. And so we have that kind of drama and tension between the two, but we also have um, uh, the past, um, his daughter is now there, and we kind of learn more about the daughter in the past timeline, but the yes. daughter has been denied um, learning Rakugo because she's a woman, and so we have that tension as well. And there's interesting parallels because, so she can't join Rakugo because she's a woman, but we learn in the past that uh, our main like Rakugo storyteller, Yakumo, is from a family of dancers and geisha, and he could never really join that world, plus he got injured. Right. So he, he sort of explicitly does know the, the sort of pain she feels not being able to join that world. Yeah. And yet he's still very harsh on her. He is. And it, uh, it's, very, it's very interesting to see how it takes concepts of uh, both gender and love and makes you wonder about the motivations of people. Yeah, and this this one this story it's very deep. You can't you can't skim read this one fast and get an understanding of what's going on. There's a lot to read between the lines in this story. So yes, make and sure you give it time. The volumes are probably the thinnest. Yeah, but they are incredibly packed full of detail. They are, and they are probably the longest to actually read, uh, mainly because they're just you want to know more about these characters and every panel has like if somebody's interested in someone else there's like little hearts right. uh, and so even the annotations of how the characters are speaking change uh, and it's it's just an incredibly well done manga um, 
But that brings us to our next and final volume that we're discussing today, Wodakoi. Yep. So, Glenn, would you like to tell us some about Wodakoi? Well, Wodakoi's full title is Wodakoi, Love is Hard for Otaku. Yes. And if you're listening to this, you probably know what an otaku is. If you don't, that's just uh, basically the Japanese term for a big nerd. Yes. And so we were discussing Fujoshi earlier. Um, Otaku is sort of like... It's used as the male version of that. Um, And they they typically have specialized interests and there's overlap obviously right but everybody has their own thing that they're mostly interested in right and that brings us to kind of the primary conceit of of Wodakoi, which is that um our, our main main or we have a we have a what is it quad we have four main characters yeah, we follow i'd say that's fair and then we have a couple of tertiary characters but each of the main characters has their kind of own world of otakuness yes. that they're interested in we have the video gamer who's paired up with the the boys love author manga yes uh, enthusiast and then we have kind of a relatively normal guy with an interest in manga yes. and then he's paired up with uh, a hardcore cosplayer or yeah. crossplayer is probably more accurate yes uh, so we have Narumi, who is the, and they all work in the same office. Yes. Uh, while doing their side activities, uh, Narumi, who is the the boys' love author, uh, Hirotaka, who's her childhood friend and now uh, love interest, yeah. who is also uh, very into video games, hardcore gamer. Yes. <laughs> like talk about a guy who has to pull his Nintendo Switch out while on his lunch break. Yes. He's got to get those games. And then we have Hanako and Kabakura, who are the other pair. Yeah, and then Kabakura is the uh, kind of relatively normal guy, but definitely interested in manga and feels that that makes him an otaku a little bit. He's kind yeah. of, and it's important to note that in Japanese culture, it's not... A good thing. Yeah, to be none seen of as these are otaku. positives. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and that's why love is hard for an otaku. Uh, yes, and be- so they have to like hide these aspects of themselves when they're in the office, but when they're around each other, they feel like they can be themselves. themselves. Yes, and the manga goes into detail that even the coolest of them still has issues. Like Hirotaka has. He smokes and he drinks, but he's very cool and collected. And it's really because he's just anxious and doesn't like to talk to people. <laughs> but then you see his like text messages and they're full of emoji and they're very like talkative and he sends multiple. And he clearly wants to communicate, but isn't quite able to. Yep. And then you have Narumi, who is very uh, overly like overtly emotional about specific things yeah but is very closed off in other respects yeah and, and the overall story here is it basically boils down to two things one is it's a slice of life and two it's just chock full of references yes i i love monster hunter i know glenn loves monster hunter it's yeah. a video game series and there is a moment in the first chapter where they're playing Monster Hunter on their consoles at break and they or after work and they spend all night in the bar that they're in 
because they can't get a ruby to drop. Yep, the desire sensor was triggered. I've had that exact same experience. <laughs> yes. <laughs> where I've spent all night hunting for a ruby in Monster Hunter. Yep. And it's it's a like you come out of it after you get the ruby and you're like I've done it. <laughs> and the characters feel the exact same way. Yeah. It's it's very true to life. It is. And and it, it just references so, so, so many aspects of pop culture and pop Japanese culture specifically that uh, at the end of each volume, there's probably a solid anywhere between six and 12 pages of just notes yes. about all of the references. Because yes. they're just like, well, this is a reference to, to this obscure Japanese TV show from the 70s. And you're like, oh, that's fascinating. The, the volumes look exceptionally thick, but the entire like final chapter's worth of pages are just background story and notes. Yeah. And so it's it's actually a very referential comic that uh, manga that deals with uh, very nerdy topics, but also genuine human topics and how people express love for each other and how people uh, understand what love means. Yeah. Um, that being said, there are entire sections of the comic, uh, the manga, that are just single-page stories. Right. And you flip through a chapter, and there's probably ten pages, and each one is a single-page story. And, and you learn that this work started out on an art site, mm -hmm. and the author then got picked up to do the to expand it into an actual manga. actual manga. Yeah. So, and then the other point to bring us back to is, is it's a slice of life. So if you're not familiar with that, that just means we kind of follow the day-to-day the -day routine of our characters. There's no real overarching drama. With a lot of these other things, we have kind of this background plot, um, maybe in you know in our, our standard shonen, it's an evil wizard who's trying to destroy the world. There's nothing like that in this. This is just day-to-day -day adventures um, they're not even necessarily chronological sometimes you'll see them going on a date to an amusement park and then you'll see them playing video games in their apartment and then you'll see them doing something else and then you'll see them back on that same date in the amusement park yeah and it's just like oh so it's just it's very a couple of random snippets of their lives the closest thing to this that we've discussed in previous podcasts is the way of the house husband yeah it's very much each chapter is its own little self-contained world. If there is a through line, it's the concept of uh, Narume and Hirotaka learning to express themselves to each other more. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. but there's not like, there's very, very few multi-chapter spanning yes. arcs. Yeah, and the only other story I can think that gets brought up more than once is how Hanako and uh, Kabakura, how they constantly seem to fight. Yeah, but that's just kind of relying on their character yes. attributes more than any sort of... Yeah, and so it, it, it's very much a manga you can pick up, put down, pick up, put down, yep. and not feel lost. Yeah. Once you get to know the characters, uh, it's almost like a sitcom. It is, it's probably the closest thing we can really compare it to is a sitcom. Yeah. Uh, so that brings us to the end. All of these manga are available through the Maricopa County Library District. You can uh, check them out either online uh, or um, physically 
put yep. them on hold. So my name is Tim once again. And I'm Glenn. Thanks everyone for listening. We hope you learned a little bit and found some new recommendations. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ. 